Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC, with today's episode. Hi, Daniela. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I am really glad to be here. So our guest today on the Woman Warriors podcast is Daniela Paolone. She's a licensed mental, nope, licensed marriage and family therapist in Westlake Village, California. Um, I just wanted to say thanks again for coming. And if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself and what brought you into the line of work that you do, which we're going to be talking about chronic pain, mm -hmm. illness, anxiety, and women. So talk to me, tell us a little bit about what brought you into that line of work too. Um, probably, probably because I check a lot of those boxes. <laughs> That's the short answer. Yeah. Um, so I am uh, a few years post um, licensure and all of that, but my mm, chronic pain and chronic illness journey started, I'd say about 2007, 2008. Okay. And that was pretty much around the time or just before I was starting graduate school to be a marriage and family therapist. Oh, wow. um, so it was really interesting. And I kind of was noticing some stuff uh, physically that was going on with me, but it didn't really become blaringly obvious until I was in the program. And then I was... Um, perplexed, confused, and stressed out. <laughs> I bet. I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah, I, I just graduate school is hard enough all on its own. Yeah. And, you know, who just goes to graduate school? You go to graduate school and you work and, you know, you try to, you know, do, do what everyone does and make some money in the meantime while you're getting your hours and learning and all of that. So, um, it was a little interesting. It was definitely a challenge. And the first year I got through okay, it was a two year program. I managed but um, but I was so unwell, physically unwell, I had lost a lot of weight, it was hard to I had I have a history of gastrointestinal um, issues or illnesses. And mm -hmm. so I was having a tough time because I wasn't I was, you know, just losing weight and hard to focus. And yeah, um, I also got into like a head-on collision during that time. It was oh kind of crazy. Gosh. Oh my gosh! So, so yeah. So I was a full year. Uh, I was full time in the program, and then a year into it, I was like, okay, I'm not sure. You know, I'm either going to drop out of the program, which I really don't want to do, but I'm just not sure how I'm going to manage next next half of the program, where I have to see clients in the office and start my my. Um, hours in that right. way as a trainee. And so, um, my sister, who's a few years older than me, um, she calls me D and she says, D, you know, you have like medical health issues falling under disability, right? She said, why don't you get accommodations? And it just, it didn't even occur to me because I was so stressed out. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I think, I think that occurs with a lot of people who are in a lot of physical pain, the ability to like think clearly and have like connecting those kind of dots just goes offline a little bit. And I said, Oh yeah, yeah you're right. I, I should go get accommodations. I, I have a diagnosis. I can get a doctor's note. Like, so 
that's what I ended up doing. And I got accommodations and um, all of that. And I switched to part time and I really didn't want to do that, but I did. So it took me three years instead of two years. And, but, but I got through. And then in the last year was when I got, or second to last year was when I was in a car accident. So that messed me up and made my symptoms worse because it was, um, yeah, you know, my, my, my hips were out of alignment. I was in physical therapy and, you know, whiplash and herniated disc in my neck. I mean, it was it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh, just it's like the, the perfect storm of horrible things. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that was, um, that was an experience. And I said, okay, if, if it wasn't obvious before the car accident, it's even more obvious now that this is, this is the direction I need to go into, uh, when I get my license, because, um, the other part of going into the graduate school program where I went is you have to go do your own personal therapy, which is great. Yeah, um, and wow, I said, that is great. Yeah. yeah, I said, okay, we had to do 20 hours. That was the requirement back then. I'm sure it's more now, but yeah. And so I said, okay, well, let me find a therapist. And I really wasn't finding a therapist who I felt, uh, was getting me and what I was physically going through. Um, the people I worked with were great, but they didn't have that personal connection to the, the kinds of experiences I was having. So it was a little frustrating, you know, for me. And that was another sign of, okay, there's, there's a need for people, um, a need for therapists with this kind of a background, whether it's, it's them personally or someone they're very close to. So they kind of see it. Um, and see how, how illness and pain can overlap into anxiety and how it really can impact day to day, uh, living. Absolutely. Well, it's, and, and it's interesting, um, just my own story as well, that like the reason I help women with anxiety is because I'm a woman who has anxiety and I have been in therapy and I know how helpful it is. So I want to, you know, sort of pass that along, but I also want people to know that that's part of my story too. And so mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that I, I feel like for a lot of therapists, um, they do have some, not all, but have some personal um, experience with the things they are most, I don't, I don't know if they're the best at helping, but you know, they have some personal experience with it. Absolutely. I think so. And I think that's what makes it relatable to the clients that they are working with, because I know that's what happens for me is when I do work with mostly women um, and they have medical illness or some kind of uh, nuanced medical condition that hardly anyone's heard of. I'm like, Hey, I can meet you there because Mm. I've kind of, I've kind of been through a similar path as you. And they're just like instantly like, Oh yay. Somebody who gets it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I would imagine that would be such a connecting point because like you said, and, and I was looking over your website before talking to you just that, so many people just don't get it, don't get the what it's like to live with an, you know, either chronic illness or chronic pain um, in their lives. They, they really don't. And it's it even, you know, it's not just friends, it can be family. I mean, I've encountered this so many times where um, I'll, I'll get maybe not anymore, but in the past, you know, maybe some kind of backhanded comment or like kind of passing judgment of, oh, she's imagining it or she must really want attention or Mm. whatever. Those can be kind of some recurring themes that definitely are not only happening to me. It's it kind of 
uh, is a recurring thing for a lot of people. Um, and then it takes, um, it takes actually that person maybe, and you going somewhere traveling or going on vacation together. And then they see you in this whole other way. And that was the case for me because before this one family member was kind of, um, a little distant and not really understanding it, which was fine. But then we went on vacation and now it's like a non-issue anymore. It's really interesting because they actually saw the day-to-day things that they do that are just don't even think about it twice. And for me, it's like, well, I need to plan. We're going to travel and I've got to have this and that. And "Mm, I'm having a flare up. Sorry, have fun without me. And, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And without having experienced it with you, they would never, yeah, wouldn't have known what that was like for you. Yeah, pretty much. So it's uh, it's an interesting path that uh, that I've kind of came come into because you know it's just not something you ever think will happen. I'm you know I'm in my 30s. I'm relatively young, so yeah. this has been going on with me for about 10 years now. So mm. um, you know, but I've learned a lot, and and I'm grateful to be able to um, apply what I've learned personally and and in school and all of that to whoever I do connect with. So. Well, and I would think the piece of, of people not getting it or it feeling uncomfortable to share what is happening when you have chronic pain for, you know, with the fear that maybe people won't understand it or minimize it could really impact your anxiety levels and stress levels around the illness or pain. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you just never know. I I find the common thread for for people, women with chronic pain and illness is a fear, anticipatory fear, fear of what, what might happen in the future. When is my next flare up going to be? Mm -hmm. Uh, When am I going to have to, you know, am I going to be able to go to work today and work a full day? Or am I going to have to work half the day? And am I going to get some weird stares and sighs and eye rolling from my coworkers. Um, that feeds into the anxiety experience too, because you don't necessarily feel safe in your own body. That's something most people with, without health issues probably feel pretty good about. Like I, I feel okay that my body's going to give me permission to like get out of bed and and cook some breakfast and get ready and drive the car. But if you have severe pain or illness conditions where those things can be difficult or just not possible sometimes Mm -hmm. that, that can reinforce this um, anxiety pattern of just not feeling like you can rely on your body. Yeah. Wow. And that's so that to me, that's so profound because like your body, well, we, I mean, for most people, you just take it for granted, right? You get up, yeah, you go to work, pretty you much. get dressed, you do what you do. And if there's this sense that, well, maybe today I'm not going to be able to do that, that's just a huge shift, but also a difficult place to 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 come from, I guess. Yeah, and it can also impact relationships. I mean, y- you can easily become the person who's now labeled the flake <laughs> like oh well, I don't know if Daniela is going to be able to go with us you know she might have an episode or I mean who knows you know it's just this it can cause strains in relationships of like well 
I want maybe maybe a, your group of friends want to invite you, but they kind of don't because they have you know there's a fifty fifty chance you can make it or you can't make it. Mm. Um, and you know, so trying to be able to follow through on plans or going to a friend's baby shower or something, or, you know, things that are really meaningful and you want to go, but sometimes it's just not not feasible. And so it is a test on relationships and some relationships hang on and become stronger for it and others kind of don't. Um, so this, you know, in my case and for kind of a lot of the people that I've worked with, it's, they've, they've had a relatively quote unquote healthy childhood and adolescence. And then in their young adulthood or older is when they're hit with some sudden onset or progressively getting worse with their pain or their illness. So for those people, it's a bit of a transition. So then it's this going through grieving and, you know, this is who I used to be. I used to do all these things and I could, you know, be totally spontaneous on the fly and go to Vegas for the weekend or whatever it is. And now that's just, at least in this moment, that's not a reality, maybe later on. And so there's this grieving of, who they used to be and who they're trying, they're coming to terms with where things are at now. And that can be, that can be really hard. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That whole grieving process, like you said, that like mm-hmm. grieving the life you had, you know, yeah. yeah, not, not being able to take that for granted anymore. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, last year, a colleague um, who also works in this population, she was kind enough to have me present, um, a little segment in her presentation, which was on chronic illness and, and her experience has been lifelong ever since she was a child. Mm -hmm. And so she invited me to, to present a little bit just to present the two different trajectories or two different kind of, uh, case studies, so to speak of, of what her experience was like compared to mine and how, how they kind of differ because mine emerged when I was like 26, 27 ish and hers obviously much younger. So that too, you know, there's this, it just like everything with anxiety or health issues and pain, there's always this spectrum of, um, of different, different, uh, experiences within that too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, um, you said that most of your clients are women. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just did a little quick research, uh, you know, and, and amazingly, like as far as chronic pain, you know, a hundred million Americans suffer, you know, from yeah. chronic pain, which is crazy. Um, but that women were much more likely to have chronic pain. And I did not look up chronic illness, but I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to extrapolate <laughs> that they're more likely to have a chronic illness too. Now I could be wrong about that. So I will, I will, I will totally be. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I haven't come across the statistics on chronic illness either. Chronic pain is pretty easy to, to gauge Mm -hmm. and to get the gender uh, differences. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, women statistically are um, going to have more uh, incidences of chronic pain than men. Um, And they kind of touch into some uh, reasons or theories behind it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Chronic illness, I can just say anecdotally, based on my own work clinically and also my advocacy work, um, the majority of the people I encounter happen to be female. Mm -hmm. And if they do get involved um, in, let's say, uh, the community that I am a part of online for chronic illness, um, if it's a woman, she might be there for herself, but 
I also find that the women are there on behalf of their husband or boyfriend oh, um, or girlfriend or whatever, um, because their, their loved one isn't necessarily wanting to be in that community to try and, you know, collaborate and share and, and process um, different topics. Oh. So that's another thing, too, is, you know, not to stereotype, but, you know, traditionally women are perhaps a little bit more communicative. And so maybe that's what's kind of taking the lead here um, as to what it is that I'm saying as as far as women, um, you know, maybe being visible more. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, and, you know, I often wonder about that with therapy, too, is, you know, are women, I think women are more open to seeking it in general, but, um, um, but that it's that same sort of being willing to talk, being willing to share, being willing to, um, you know, ask for help. Yeah, because that takes a, it takes a lot of courage, and it also involves definitely certain levels of vulnerability. Yes. And that is not necessarily something that is embraced in our society for men to to follow is to talk about your feelings and talk about your pain, and you know. So that's I think that's a big piece as to why men. Um, maybe you don't, we don't hear about as much in these communities because it's stigmatized for them. Sadly, it's just not manly who, you know, you're weak and this is, you know, you just got to take care of business and take an Advil and go on with your day, be a man, (laughs) you know, and that's just not fair. It's just, it's terrible that that's the, the upbringing that's kind of indoctrinated into, to men, at least in our Western society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so how, um, how does therapy help and what, you know, what are some of the strategies or, um, techniques or, uh, theories, whatever, what types of, what works do you think? Um, I mean, obviously every client is different, but what, how does therapy help? I think therapy helps because, um, well, first of all, finding the right fit therapist and, you know, making sure that what it is that's the client is seeking is really something the therapist can provide. So I, I know for me, I'm really uh, aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think just having that um, genuine understanding and for me, providing a bit of self-disclosure just enough to give them the context of this is me and this is why I am in this specialty. And, you know, it's a person, it's not just like a profession, it's personal and whatever. And so I think tying it in as a, as a human being and not a clinician, I think is the first important piece because those with chronic pain and illness are used to, at least from my opinion, my opinion here, are used to having doctor patient relationships that perhaps are a bit clinical and where there's a bit of a um, discrepancy in power. Um, You know, I'm sure there are awesome doctors. I've had some amazing doctors, but I've also had quite a few where it's like, this is what we're going to do and you're going to listen. And this is when we're going to start. So um, I like to try and cut through that. And, you know, there's no power differential here. I'll share with you what has helped me clinically or personally or what I have found has helped clients. So it's just that equal collaborative rapport, I think, that a lot of them really respond well to. And it puts them at ease like, oh, good, this is a different scenario. I'm not coming in, you know, just kind of listening to my doctor. And then maybe when I try to say something to them or ask them another question, I'm not going to get, you know, 
yeah. challenged on it or something. So um, having a clinician who is willing to meet them where they are must be such a powerful experience, especially if the chronic pain or chronic illness has led them to feel unsafe in their body, but also feeling unsure of who they can share it with and, and who they can be open about it with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's really a powerful part of the, the process. And many of them come in uh, just feeling a lot of self-doubt because maybe they've been second-guessed or questioned by friends and family. Like, are you really sick? Are you sure? Well, have you tried this or this and that? And they'll also get that from probably their doctors. I know that was my experience too. You know, it was a negotiation of compromise of, okay, you want this test, but first you got to do these three things. And if these things don't work, then we'll get you that test that you're asking for. So it was always this negotiation and it can kind of feel a little, um, where you're not feeling like the authority for your own body and your health. So I, I like to tell people, listen, you know, your body better than anyone you're embodying this condition um, you know, I want to learn from you and you take the lead, you, you know, you can take the lead in some ways because I want to make sure that what I'm sharing with you is relevant and helpful. And if it's not, please let me know and we will adjust as needed. Um, so I think they find that to be a bit refreshing too. Um, and, and it's good for them to hear that, no, really they are the expert in their own body because no doctor, no specialist, no therapist will be able to fully understand what it is that they're experiencing. And so I, I use a lot of like, please educate me a little bit on this because I'm wondering if, if this experience kind of set off this, you know, flare up for you. I mean, is that possible? You know, and that's a good conversation for us to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, I, I, it sounds like, I mean, just the work that you're doing sounds so important and so helpful. Um, I, I have a few clients who do uh, struggle with chronic illness um, as well as chronic pain. And I just, I, I you know, it's hard not you're just knowing that that's going to be there mm. potentially for their whole lives. And, um, you know, I support them the best that I can, but I, 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 I think that the work you're doing feels very powerful. Well, thank you. And I'm sure what you're doing is really powerful too. And what I love hearing is that, um, there's more and more trainings and educational opportunities kind of about this, because as you said earlier, it is such a huge um, problem. It is affecting so many Americans. Um, yet, I think sadly, even still at this moment, there's there's such a drought of not enough clinicians and health professionals across the board who who have done their work to really understand as best as possible. And I just don't see a lot of trainings about it. It's becoming more I'm seeing him more and more, which is great. Um, and, and I'm sure it will continue to progress, but I just, you know, I'm really glad to hear that you get to, to work with these folks. Cause you know, it's, yeah. it's a rewarding experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you, if you had one tip or one strategy that, or one, I don't know, one little nugget of advice that 
you could pass along to listeners who may be struggling with chronic illness or chronic pain? Um, what, what might that be? Okay, so I'm going to give you two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to cheat. Sorry. <laughs> nope, it's all good. <laughs> um, okay, so I would say, you know, if the if something is showing up physically for you, whether it's an illness uh, condition or a pain symptom or something or anxiety, if it's showing up for you physically or noticeably in some way, I, I like to tell people, it sounds to me like your body is trying to talk to you. Your body's trying to like communicate to you something like, hey, over here, like I've got two red flags and I'm waving them you know, up in the air. I need your attention. So if your body had a voice, if that pain or discomfort had a voice, what would it be, be saying to you? Would it say, hey, um, can we take a break? Can you lie down for 10 minutes? You know, wh- what is the message if, you know, if if it had a voice, what would it say? And yeah. whenever I ask people that, they always kind of, I, I prep them if they're new and I'm like, this might sound weird, <laughs> but, um, they're like, Hmm, that's interesting, you know, and just trying to, uh, think about it like that. It's, it's not, it's, it's an inconvenient intrusion, these episodes, but it is our body's way of trying to convey something to us and it's up to us to try and listen, at least acknowledge it and listen to it and, and take with that what you will because ignoring it and being angry towards yourself or mad, why can't I get better? All of that sadly can feed into the overall pain experience and that negative self-talk. So instead of, and this is tough, but instead of, passing judgment and being so harsh on ourselves, what can we do to observe it, notice it, be inquisitive and try not to judge? And and that I think is really um, a helpful piece. And, and a book that I think goes nicely with that mm-hmm. is the self-compassion book by um, Kristen, Kristen Neff. Neff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just so powerful and relatable and it's from a woman's perspective so i think that's kind of nice too and absolutely well and yeah. self compassion is such uh it's just not a concept that we're necess- what we're not taught i think in you know western society but in the united states in particular it's like yeah push through you know get over it move on where like yeah your body is asking you to hear it and listen, and I would say all the time, not just with chronic pain or illness. Oh, yeah. And tuning in and listening and having compassion for where we are in that moment, I think is so important. Absolutely. And and I always ask people, which is what Kristen says in her book, too, uh, or Dr. Neff, I should say. Yeah. Um, she says, you know, um, if a dear friend were to come to you like sad or frustrated or anxious about something, you know, what would you say as your, as their friend? And more than likely you would say, Oh, I'm so sorry. How can I help you? I'm here for you. That's what you would say to your friend. But now how easily is that for you to transfer that kind of compassion and kindness and patience, uh, to yourself? Can you match that? And most of the time people are like, uh, no, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> You lost me there. I know what you're saying, but no. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and and it takes practice. That's the other piece. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. It takes practice. And, and yeah, finding that true compassion for self is uh, mm-hmm. not an easy task. And, and I like to say this, too, because 
for people who like is this is jarring to hear like it's understandable wherever you are in in the process of your own healing but i kind of put in a little bit of a medical health angle too and i'll say to someone listen i can i can understand and i know where you're coming from that this is just weird or these approaches are strange but try and think about it about your nervous system if you're dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness the nervous system is not turning on and off at the optimal times. It sounds like your body's under more stress and you're in the stress response. And as long as that continues, your body's not going to be able to access its natural healing abilities. And and that can continue to contribute to your pain symptoms and to your medical health symptoms and to poor sleep, all of these things. So there is also a medical, biological component to all of this too. So just being kind to yourself and working on relaxation and artwork and journaling and spending time with loved ones, all of that really helps to downregulate the nervous system to get more into a homeostasis kind of a place. Um, And that's the only, that's the only time the body can do its job, which is to make repairs, to regulate inflammation, um, to get the brain back online so you can think more clearly. Right. So it's, it's a big piece. It's huge. It is so huge. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to thank you so much. Do you have any um, upcoming projects or things coming up in your um, practice that you would like to tell us about? Well, um, I, I've been doing a series of free presentations um, in my community in Thousand Oaks, Westlake Village, um, which is Southern California area. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one coming up in a few weeks at the YMCA. So um, you can always go to my website, sign up for my you know monthly updates, and I can let you know if you're in the area um, when and where the next presentation will be. But I've been partnering up with a... Um, a chiropractor. So it's been a great partnership where I kind of talk about pain management from the therapy psychology perspective. Mm -hmm. And she brings in her expertise in chiropractics. Um, So, you know, I'll continue to be doing presentations and I have a free meditation you can download from my website and I have a YouTube kind of thing going and I'm going to I'm going to get better and do more videos. <laughs> so, so there's there's all that, yeah. Nice. And so how can people find you? Okay, so they can go to my website, which is uh, www.westlake, so westlake-village-counseling.com. And um, that's where you can find all my information. You can listen to some um, interviews, read some blogs uh, or articles on all of this um, that we've talked about today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniela, for being a guest on the Woman Warriors podcast. And um, I'm super excited for your future adventures. And hopefully we'll be able to check in again soon. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for having me on your on your podcast. Thanks for joining me in this episode of Woman Warriors. I really appreciated Daniela's candid and openness around her own struggle with chronic illness and how it has shaped her practice and how she works with clients. 
my talk with her really gave me a better understanding of the impact that chronic illness or chronic pain can have on your life and on your relationships and on your relationship with yourself. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll tune in next week where we'll be exploring body image and how that can impact anxiety and stress and your relationship with yourself. So that's it for this week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on the Woman Warriors podcast, the show notes, the resources that were discussed, or links to the profiles of the people who were interviewed, you can find them at www.womanwarriors.com.